This clock's in at 9.5% alcohol, buddy. Wow. So I might be asleep halfway through the show today. Wow, that's a strong beer. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing today? Good, Robert. It's the Christmas show and we have no rum and eggnog. Why don't we why do we have beers and pints on the Christmas show? Should we not have another beverage, maybe? Because I can't stomach eggnog. <laughs> How do you know? Like, you know what? That was me for like the first 40 years. Well, maybe not for the first 20, right? Because I didn't. But no, the I last five it's or just... ten years, I've got into the eggnog with some rum, a little bit of cinnamon. It's a really nice Christmas festive drink. Maybe you had didn't have maybe you had the cheap eggnog. Like Break the bank, open up the wallet, and buy some really, really top-notch eggnog. Maybe I had the cheap rum in the eggnog. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Who knows? True. Who knows? But maybe. yeah, maybe I should, uh, top you know, shelf I should give it both. another try. You should give it another try. I find, yeah, I could not drink that for, you know, 20 years. And then all of a sudden, I just said, I'm going to try it. And it was really good. And I think I did have good eggnog and good rum. So that made a difference. You're right. But I'm not one. I don't want to... Have the investment into a whole liter of eggnog and the first sip in, kind of like that gingerbread saison. Uh, want to be pouring it down the drain. So, oh, I'm still enjoying those gingerbread saisons, actually. But I, and on the on the topic of the gingerbread saison, not having one tonight, mind you. But oh, mm-hmm. thanks be to God. But on that topic, like I had said on my Facebook post, if done properly, it would make for a great brew. And you had picked up when you were in Ottawa mm-hmm. a month or so, and we've talked about this on the show a couple episodes ago, uh, from the Kitchissippi Brewery, right, you had the picked up their, their Christmas. Back, yeah. yeah. And in that, there was a gingerbread shandy. Right. Top shelf. It was a really good. It was really I... good. I really enjoyed that. Right. And it was one of those after the gingerbread saison, I was a little bit reticent. Mm-hmm. But I had that over the weekend when we had my family over for mm-hmm. Christmas. I remember you texting me, yeah. And the gingerbread shandy, it was crisp, it was clean. It reminded me of ginger snap cookies. Mm-hmm. You know what? Now I'm just trying to remember this, how old I am. I can't remember if I had it, and I think I did have it. And it, it tasted like a gingerbread. It's just, It tastes like you put lager and 7-Up or lager and ginger ale together. It's exactly what it tastes like in that can, doesn't it? With exactly. a hint of ginger. A hint, like you say, not... It wasn't overpowering the ginger. No, it wasn't. It was really good. You're right. And from the same festive pack, I had the carrot cake, red okay. ale. I have the carrot w- cake still to come. That was that was top shelf as well. That was it good? That was really, really good. That tasted like a full bodied. You could taste the, the carrot cake in it, but again, it wasn't overpowering. It really okay. enhanced. Really enhanced. So you liked the all those ones. I loved all those ones. Okay. And I, I really loved from our last show when we had the Cordial Catholic on, I loved the River Walk Commons. So I went over to the Old Flame Brewery today to pick up a couple bottles for you and for Keith. Nice. That sold out. No. That is how good that <laughs> beer was. It is sold out. Right. So <laughs> kudos to the Old Flame. That's the worst thing you could say to somebody. I went over and picked up a couple of bottles for you and then say, sold out. Right sold now. <laughs> out. 
I got there all excited. Time, I was, was going to get a couple bottles for you, a couple bottles for Keith, and a couple bottles for myself. Oh. And on the the chalkboard behind the bar, right over top of the Riverwalk Commons, sold out. I was mm. like, really? Come on. That's the whole reason why I came down here. Oh, no. But I had a couple of other great beers while I was there. He so there, there are, I picked up I picked up for you and for Keith nice. uh, some, some special wintry beers. Uh, a porter and a stout nice. uh, and again very very good i, I thoroughly enjoyed those so i have well. that stout still left from kitchissippi so i'll have to try that one i don't know if you've had that the, the corktown dry stout yes that, that is that? amazing i've had that on the show i had that on the show a year ago you did when we had the liturgy guys on right all right and, right. It was, and it, fantastic and You'll i can't it. remember the time i've had a porter i'm looking forward to that because i haven't I don't know when the last time I had a porter, but anyhow, yeah, very nice similar to brew. the stout. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, they're 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 a couple of great winter beers. So uh, anyhow, you're making me thirsty. So what are you drinking then, if you're so thirsty? And you don't I'm have back, the rum and eggnog. I am back to one of my favorite. I've got to stop. We got to stop going to the same place. Me and you. You're well. You're good. You're much better than I am. You're an old flame regular, and I seem to be a broad streak regular. And this one is their Christmas. Special. It was a Christmas special online. Lagered Amber Ale. Ooh, it's a fantastic. Like it's a fantastic beer, Robert. So I'll save you a couple of these. Yeah, um, I, you've gotten just, a couple of those for me before. I love. Those I have. Yeah. Well. So it's got a note of caramel with it, and it's a little bit sweet, but it's just really, really nice. And of course, great deal on it, which is weird. Twenty five cans, which is odd because it comes in a two four, and then they give you a little extra can. Twenty five for fifty. They're they're Christmas special. That is excellent. Yeah, that's a good. That, that, that good is idea. excellent. I wish I had known about yeah. that before. Yeah. And so, for myself, sir, what do you uh, got? What I've got today is a Vestmal Trappist Triple. Nice, right from the Vestmal Abbey, which is uh, about I'd say twenty kilometers east of Antwerp, seventy-five kilometers northeast of Brussels in Belgium. I'll, I'll need the exact uh, in directions. You know, well, and that's one of the reasons why I selected this one today, because uh, you're going to be spending Christmas in Brussels, are you not, yes, sir? we are planning a trip, correct, yes. So I very can't nice. wait to get over there, yes. So I, I picked this for you. Um, the Abbey itself was constructed in 1836. That's new, recent. Yeah, that's fairly recent, 1836. <laughs> now, and they started brewing in 1836 as well, but the triple they didn't start brewing until the 1930s. <laughs> And I wasn't aware of this. I actually looked up before we got on the, the call today. And I looked up the reason why it's called a triple is because they tripled the ingredients of the <laughs> beer. And I had I I thought it was like triple fermentation or mm. something like that. But no, it has to do with the ingredients. This clocks in at 9.5% alcohol, buddy. Wow. So I might be asleep halfway through the show today. Wow, that's a strong beer. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that. And the other thing I didn't know about it as well, it, it comes in the 330 milliliter bottle, the 33 centiliter bottle. Which of course is, it does. It couldn't come in 500, not a 9.5%. 333 is enough. But you can also get it in a 750. Ooh. And looking into that, it says actually it ferments differently and it ages differently in the larger bottle. Mm. And that the flavors are not as sharp when it's in the, in the larger bottle. Hmm. Right. So, but I, I'm really looking. But if they're tripling the ingredients, you probably don't want it as sharp. You probably want it to kind of sit for a little while and maybe not be as sharp. But anyhow, you're going to tell I, us how I it find is. the the Trappist beers always to be very flavorful. I can't to be a little on the sharp side. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to open this up. Why Can don't I you see that? Up your... Why don't you lift up your... Yeah. You want to look the, the bottle again here yeah. so our, our listeners can see the bottle? So that's a 330. Okay, that looks like almost like a 500 mil bottle, but... No, no, 330, sir. I like the dark bottle, too. Yeah, and that makes a difference, too, the color of the bottle. As yes. As to how it ages and, and the flavor that it has on there. Of course, there. yeah, the clear as opposed to the darker. Well, I can smell oh. the banana coming out of the bottle just what? as I open it. Yeah. Okay, let me oh, see that... the color of your beer, and I'll show you the color of... Now, I don't have a Vestmal glass, or if I didn't, that's going to explode on me. They're they're also very, very bubbly. Yes. The, the Trappist, and not just the Westmall, any of the Trappists I've had have been like that. Why, why did I expect that beer to be this color, the beer I have in my hand, more so than the lighter? I think maybe you were yeah. thinking of that, because the other beer I was maybe going to have today was the, the Chimay Blue Cap. Yeah, that's probably why. Right, which is a the darker a darker color but no this is a nice blonde color uh, a nice golden hue mm -hmm. it is very golden if i remember correctly uh, they're also just like a, a nice crisp flavor in the vest small one but as always for the facebook page take a couple pictures here so yes. we can get that out the last and... picture for our last episode of season two correct yeah the... mm -hmm. It still bugs me sometimes when you talk about that, because I always think our, se our season should change over in March when we officially started. I know. I love the fact yeah, that in January, but that just, I yeah. love that. We begin season three in January. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So this is our last episode for season two or for season 2022. Yeah. We'll call it season 2022. No, let's We're gonna move call into it season two. And we move into season three. Wow. Can't believe three seasons already. Well, it's not really three not, seasons. Not really three seasons, like two and a half. Yeah, but, but don't forget, like Survivor says, you know, they do, they're on their, like, I don't know, 42nd season. And yeah, it's because they have two seasons a year. Like, so you can't really. So every episode's a season now. Is that what you're saying? No, they do two episodes, one in the spring, one in the so fall. So we're on uh, season 47 as we speak yeah, we're, here. Yeah. We're on about, are we on about episode 47? Probably we're at, at about episode 47. So just before you take your sip there, buddy, <laughs> worse than the kids at dinner. Gotta say grace before beer. I think we've been on for 10, 15 minutes and we haven't got to prayer yet. At least you're consistent with our guests and with me. There we, we go. go. And we weren't talking about the weather either, so it's all good. Yeah, good point. In the name of the Father, and of Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health and body, and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Cheers, Dennis. Cheers, Robert. Merry Christmas. Oh, the bubbles just dance across your tongue with that one. Is that right, eh? Almost yeah. too uh, carbonated or no? Too bubbly? Not too bubbly. I mean, it's standard bubbly, for, again, for a Trappist beer. So it was to be expected. But it's like the bubbles are smaller and more plentiful. Right, right. Than a I'm regular a big guy, so I'll have to try that and check it out. Yeah. And they'll have different kind of beer. I'll send the the website to you when we're done here, and I'll put it yeah. up in the show notes like we always do. Uh, I'll even throw it on the Facebook page. And like most breweries, they'll have a single, a, a double, and a triple. Triple. And 
again, different colors, different tastes, different degrees of, of alcoholiz- alcoholization. Mm-hmm. Oh, where did you get that again? Sorry, where did you? Get I just it? got that at the the local bottle shop, LC- the LCBO. LCBO, okay, yeah. And again, it depends on your LCBO location. Some have more Trappist beers than others. Yeah. Right. I got that one at the the LCBO in Newmarket when I was in the other day. Okay. Okay. It was like a kid in the candy shop because they had all kinds of different craft beers that I can't normally get here in Port Perry either. So it's like, yeah, I'll take two of those and two of those and two of those. Nice. One of the best LCBOs for Belgian Trappist Abbey Ales I've found around is in Brooklyn, actually. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say in Toronto somewhere. No, the the one in Brooklyn. Now, maybe in Ajax, if you have a couple of larger... Yeah, we LCBO, do have one maybe. bigger one in Ajax. But I'm, I'm thinking of the vintage uh, LCBO right in downtown Toronto by the uh, mm-hmm. docks there. Mm-hmm. They go to the island. There's a big vintage. That would probably be have a big selection, I would imagine. I would think so. Again, this is so nice. Like I said, the, the bubbles are dancing across my tongue. But the mm. taste isn't overpowering. Sometimes okay. the, the flavor can be overpowering. Right. But just do a nice soft fruity flavor hmm. very good what about your I, it's your well, my amber I, I love this lagered amber ale it's a really good drop so buddy there are a number of things i wanted to talk about today yeah and our time is kind of, our time is kind of limited uh, I think I've got four things on the list before we get to our regular segments of saintly sayings and what in the church is that? What in the church is that? You just love saying that, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, I prefer the other the, the other title, which you won't let me use, but go on. <laughs> well, I just copyright issue in there. Yeah, that's right. That's a bit before your time. I don't even think you remember Stump the Chump, do you, Robert? I kind of remember Yeah, that, it was a but... very early, it was, it was, I think it was way back in, could it be late 70s, early 80s? Not the datas, but I think, I think it, was it was definitely early, in the 80s, wasn't it? I remember kind of in the early 80s when I was just becoming mm-hmm. aware of current pop culture. Right, right. Right, kind of in my early teenage years. Okay. Again, right about the time our last guest, Keith, was born. Yes. <laughs> good old Keith. Yeah, that was a great Well, show. I wouldn't say good old Keith because he's definitely much younger than you and I are. But yeah. no, that was a fantastic episode. But there was no, I had a few things I wanted to talk about today. Uh, the first one is uh, the World Cup. Yes. My team, all three of my teams lost. Uh, first and foremost, Team Canada. It was great just to be at the dance. They dropped in the rankings today. I know it was a little disappointing. We can say that. I mean, we're happy yeah. that they're there, but I, I think thought the they expectations were, were a little bit higher for them to do. More. I, I thought for sure a tie or maybe a victory. I, I didn't think they would go through, but I mean, two of their, I mean, look, uh, at least a result. Through. Yeah. Result something. So it was a little bit disappointing there, but yeah, please, you know, please God in 2026 when we're on home turf, maybe. A little I mean, bit at better. least they were there. What about Ireland? I know. What about well, Ireland? We're not going to Italy. What about? Oh, yeah. Maybe we could oh, go all on. Kind of, you can go yeah. on and on with that list. My other team, Belgium. Belgium. Uh, Again, I was disappointing. Very disappointing, but I'm not overly shocked or surprised either. Okay. Just a very much an aging team. Mm-hmm. Uh, their time has passed. I think the last one, 2018, was their time to, to win, and they okay. just couldn't pull it out. They didn't do it, yeah. I didn't think they were going to crash and burn as they hard as hard no. as they did this time. You thought they were going to go through to the next round. And my third team, France, 
um, all the way to the finals. Uh, almost pulled it off. Of the church almost pulled it off. Yeah. Uh, wild game. What a great game. But what I wanted to talk about from the World Cup, and just very quickly, as we already have uh, droned on long enough, um, and we mentioned it before a couple episodes ago, was the, the Catholic element. We did. At yeah. the tournament. Right. The pictures of the Croatian coach praying the rosary as he's running practices. Ah, I didn't see that. Interesting. Right. Lionel Messi, right? The GOAT, the greatest mm -hmm. of all time. And I was actually, I was very happy to see Messi get his World Cup. Yeah, so was I. Yeah, that was just the one thing missing from his shelf, I guess. Yeah. Well, the yeah. GOAT, you might get some arguments with Portuguese fans, but yeah, go on. No, uh, I don't know. Cristiano Ronaldo, great player. Mm -hmm. Great player. <laughs> great player. But, Understatement, but yeah. But... Yeah, there, there, there's just a whole other conversation. Yeah, to be had. I, we don't have time to get into. But Lionel Messi, when he scores a goal, he's making the sign of the cross. Right. As many are, yes. And, right. and for that player of that caliber to be doing that, right? It's... Just like we talked about the baseball players when they, you know, get up to bat, the Dominican baseball players or the yeah. Latinos. Yeah. Yeah. And it's then finally, the uh, Marcial, the the Argentinian player who kicked the winning penalty. Yes. And, and he pulls then took his off jersey his shirt. off. Right, which is automatic yellow card, but I think that at that point he doesn't really care. No, yeah. But on his shoulder, there's a beautiful tattoo of the Madonna. Yeah, I didn't know. I saw the tattoo and I couldn't recognize it. I didn't think I didn't. Uh, well, you figured that? it was like, a tattoo of yourself on his shoulder. I thought it was his wife or something. I didn't know. Ooh, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, who is that? I can't be. No, I. So you you found out that it was the Madonna through an article. I mean, I didn't yeah. go up and yeah. ask him or anything. Right. No, but I looked at it and I couldn't. I couldn't tell. I guess it was too fleeting the moment type thing. So, but the yeah. the airtime and the advertisement for the faith that's out there, and that's it's great. not a blatant advertising of the faith. It's not in your face evangelization, but people notice these things, right? Right, and maybe somewhere there's you know a young kid asking his dad, you know. What's Messi doing after he scores the goal? Absolutely. Right. And it starts a conversation. Yeah. The tattoos might be hard to miss because so many of them have so many tattoos. I can't believe how many tattoos a lot of them have. What is, yeah, it just seems like they're almost. I, I've heard that once you get tattoos. started, it's like an yeah, addiction. Addiction. I know. I know. And for those of us that have an extreme fear of needles, it's never going to happen. Yeah. No, it's not so the needle so much, but I don't want to. Yeah, I just think if you get one and another, where did where does it stop, right? Yeah, and then uh, as Matt Frad says, you know, if you had a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, would you slap a bumper sticker on that? <laughs> Probably not. So why would you want to slap a bumper sticker on this perfection that you see mm -hmm. before you today, right? Yeah, I, I just think, and there's a cost factor too, right, Robert? I mean, they're not cheap. Some of the larger ones, right? I think there's better. You can. Spend I've never your priced money them out. No. Yeah. yeah. One of my students was telling me the cost of his actual. Now, talking about high school Hundreds. students. Yep. You recently were at your high school reunion. Yes, I was in Toronto after 35 years. Great I was high say, was it the, Was it the 100th anniversary of your graduation there, buddy, was, or what? <laughs> actually, speaking of, you've probably got a 50th coming up. Not for your graduation, but for your school. For, for the up. school, maybe. Yeah. For the school, uh, maybe 40 years. 40. We had uh, 35. The honor years were 10, 25, 35, and 50. So we were there. And yeah, it was great. Unfortunately, there was 200 um, in my graduating class, and only about 10% showed up. But it was good. I went went down with a few buddies so who I still see, lucky enough to still see. 
And uh, yeah, we met up with another few buddies there type things. People I hadn't seen in ages. You know that when you don't see them for 10, 20 years and everybody's. Everyone kind of looks the same, but everybody looks exactly the same, except less hair, few more wrinkles, but you can tell by their face. That's exactly who they were in high school. It's funny. You don't change that much, do you? Yeah. And do you find it's kind of like at high school where there's a bit of a a success competition? I don't think man on campus. I think I think because most of them are. And I just I was, you know, blessed to go to well, first of all, I was blessed to the biggest thing about my high school is we've talked about this for before, Robert, was that I had religious on staff, right? So there was about twenty priests at least, the Bazillion Order teaching at the high school. So that alone was was excellent. I mean, that now I think back, I was so lucky to have those priests on staff. And I just think, no, I think a lot of them are doing well, living in good part, really nice parts of Toronto, but not making a big deal of it. And I think uh, in your in our own ways, you know, we're all blessed, certainly. And, and, you know, that's, you know, they've become financially successful and we've become successful with our families in Pints and Pews. <laughs> yeah, and... From our conversations that we had when you had come back from your mm-hmm. high school reunion and, you know, kind of talking about how everybody seems to be at a different level of financial success, mm-hmm. right? And for Absolutely. some people, and, and again, I don't know your your high school colleagues, but for some people, it's all about the address that they live at or where they send their kids to school, uh, the car in the driveway, yeah, all and I didn't get that right at now. all. I, I I would certainly imagine, but they weren't certainly telling. But you could tell that they did well financially, and you know they were seemed to be quite happy. And then, you know, but I guess success isn't measured in dollars and cents. That's for sure. I think we can. Well, that was very successful. And then that you was know, the conversation because, that yeah. we had, right? How you do know, you measure success? How do you measure success? How do you measure success? You certainly can't measure it financially. I mean, we look at some of the billionaires and millionaires in the world. They don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily the happiest people in the world either. Yeah. How do you measure success? How do you measure anything in life? I mean, you look at how God measures it, right? And how would God measure success? I don't think he he measures it in dollars and cents. He doesn't measure it uh, in the vehicle that's in the driveway or the the label that's on the inside of your shirt. I think we have to look at measuring success and souls saved. I think absolutely. And I would say the three F's come into play there. You know, for me, faith, family, and friends would, you know, I've, if I've got those things, I'm, I'm doing pretty well in life. I thought you were talking about the three F's on the, the France Jersey, the Fédération Française de Football. Uh, and I, translated? Which they weren't Federation. very successfully, the, the, the French Football Federation. French Football Federation. And they you said you know, that so clearly. I don't think our listeners picked up on it. I don't but think yeah, I even I, picked up right, on it. Robert. I mean, I think, like you say, you know, how do we measure success? Certainly, we don't as teachers in dollars and cents, that's for sure. And I, I think we have to measure it other ways. And I think we're blessed to be doing our jobs that we do. And we're blessed to be doing this radio podcast. And we're blessed to have the families that we have and friends. And as you were saying, I think you were blessed to have uh, the teachers that you had, because as you're saying that, those colleagues of yours from high school who are financially successful, who are successful to a certain degree as the world sees it. Right. From what you're saying is that they're they're not showing that off. They're they're doing no. it in a very understated manner. Right. Well, absolutely. You had business owners and security guys and lawyers and dentists and I was like, 
Um, I teach, yeah, teacher. Uh, no, <laughs> you had that, and there was no sense of, you know, showing this off or, you know, talking about numbers or certainly talking about, you know, where they live or their cottages or anything like that, or the cars they drive. There was nothing, there was none of that there, which was really good. And I think we would consider ourselves a success if our students one day at their high school reunion, if they were financially successful, God willing, mm -hmm. that they would see it, that it was because God willed it. And Absolutely. That were and we were so, with it. And the only uh, down part of the whole thing was that there was no Brazilians uh, left, unfortunately, uh, to be there at that reunion. I, I think there's a couple still on staff, maybe younger ones, certainly weren't around when I was there. And I think one former teacher showed up so that, yeah, that was kind of, you know, you want to see the old teachers of Robert, right? So, and especially the old priests. And I've had the the blessing, two of my former teachers actually live in the small town where I am. One actually lives just kind of down the street and around the corner. And the first time I met her out on the street and we were talking and I didn't even recognize her at first and then finally realized that she had been one of my French high school teachers. All I could do was keep saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I, I'm so sorry. That's what I would have ended up saying. Now, this is weird because that's probably what, 50, would you be 50, 60 kilometers or so from your high school to be in this small town and meeting a former high school teacher? That lives just around the corner. That lives is very, very odd. And what they did is they used to live in Newmarket and then they sold up there when they retired, her and her husband. They sold up there and they built a house here on the lake. The next thing on the list, and it really is not connected. All these ideas are, are, are a little bit disjointed, but all things that I thought would, you know, just kind of neat to talk about. What happens when a priest calls in sick? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about this because it was the first Sunday of Advent. Mm -hmm. I got up, I'd slept in a little bit because it was Sunday morning, got up at 7.30 and there was an email that had literally come in five minutes before from our pastor. Hmm. I am sick. I am ill. It's too late to call a replacement. Can you do a liturgy of the word and a communion service? Hmm. And it was addressed to myself and, and two other gentlemen. So it's like, okay, who's going to open the church doors? Right and and get things going, so yeah. Like, but it begs the question, and that's the second time. I've never had this, never experienced this in my life going to church. It's so interesting. This this is the second time I've had this happen in a parish that I was attending. The last time was probably about fifteen years ago at St. Leo's in Brooklyn, at the Saturday evening Friday mass. Friday, Saturday evening Friday mass. Right, at the Saturday, Saturday evening mass. Yeah. Uh, father was walking across the street from the rectory, slipped on some ice, and fell down and broke his shoulder. Mm. Right on his way to mass. Right, and so again, it was kind of what to do, what to do, and the same in this instance when Father called in sick. Uh, it was too late; he couldn't even call the bishop's office to see if they could find someone. And when I started doing the math as well from our little parish, the closest parish that would have two priests that could even lend someone out in a short notice is the parish where we teach. And then beside that is the par is your parish. Oh, interesting. Right. So you're yeah. looking at at least a half hour to 45 minute drive away. Mm -hmm. 
And then that also leaves that parish scrambling to try to figure things out with just one priest. Yeah. And so what to do and what roles to take on and what happens. Father was really good this time when he sent the email. He did have it kind of laid out. It's like, Mm -hmm. do the processional hymn. It's not a procession, just do an opening hymn. Pray the collect. Mm Mm-hmm. Do liturgy of the words. So do the all of the readings. Yeah. Responsorial psalm. Yeah. And it was great. Our choirs, both choirs at both masses sang okay. the psalm for us. So first reading, psalm, second reading, mm-hmm. and the gospel reading. And of course, you know, don't miss this one. Take up the collection. Mm-hmm. You gotta make sure you take you up the collection. You gotta take up the collection. And Which then what we, do you do right after that? You go right to communion because you have the uh prayers mm-hmm. of the faithful. Right. Or and I can't even remember the order now because it's you know three weeks ago. Right. Uh, prayers of the faithful, then the collection, and then yeah, bring the reserved sacrament out of the tabernacle and put mm-hmm. that on the altar. Our Father. Distribution of communion. Okay. The closing prayer. The prayer to Saint Michael, and the closing hymn. Okay, so you have to make sure there's enough. So he had enough reserve. Hosts in. in well, that was one. That was something. And and Father said, and it, and obviously it wasn't done on purpose, because mm-hmm. he had no idea after the five o'clock mass on Saturday that he was going to be sick mm-hmm. for Sunday morning. But there was quite a bit of sacri- uh, of blessed sacrament reserved in the tabernacle, mm. right? But that was one of the things when I rolled in. So between seven thirty and eight o'clock, breakfast and through the shower, you know, something that usually takes me two hours to do in the morning. I got done in 25 minutes hmm. out of the house over to the church. That was one of the first things I did was check how much blessed sacrament is there. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, the, the first service, I said to the external minister of, of communion, I said, just half, because we need to make sure we have enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see just half. That. And we have an older gentleman in the parish, and he's fantastic. He's there every Mass. He leads the rosary for half an hour. Uh, before each mass, he rings the bells for the altar server's role, and so he was there for the first service. And then he's like, "After him, where's Father?" And so he's just—he's not feeling well because you—you mm-hmm. don't want to be telling people that he's violently ill. Mm-hmm. People were already decided that he had taken himself to the hospital, mm-hmm. and some people saw an imaginary ambulance at the rectory because you know how people just blow things out of proportion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when this gentleman comes back for the 11 o'clock Mass, as he's coming in, he sees me standing in the vestibule and he comes over. Are there enough hosts in the tabernacle? Yes. Are you sure there's enough hosts in the tabernacle? Yes, yes, I'm sure there's enough hosts. Because you only gave me half a host at the last Mass. I said, yeah, no, there's enough. And then off he went. And then I said to the, the other guy that's there, he was gonna say, if you're going to be the extra minister of communion, make sure he gets a whole host, please. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, it, it was from the goodness of his heart. It was from yeah. a place of, of innocence. Uh, but it also. Was he expecting a big surgery, a big crowd coming into the 11 o'clock or? Usually, no. That small town of yours that they were going to. The 11 o'clock is, is one of the least. So, how uh, long was the service in total? Half an hour. Oh, I'm gonna make in, a note. in and out half an hour. I, I'm gonna make a note of that for your parents. Thirty minutes, but not a full mass. But it was—it's not a full mass, and that yeah, kind yeah. of 
you know, has you thinking about the the roles and responsibilities and, and the limits of the laity. I can't you know, believe some... there's so much written about that too, Robert, within the church. And I remember, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a course I did it, but part of a course, and they spoke about these isolated parishes who don't have regular pe- priests and what the laity's able to do and not do on a particular Sunday. But it is quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the two things that really stood out in, in this experience, as someone said to me, why don't you give the sermon? Why don't you say a homily, mm-hmm, give a reflection mm-hmm. after the gospel? And even though it's not a formal Mass, because during in, in a Mass, the laity is not permitted to do that. Right. It has to be someone who's ordained, either a right. deacon or a priest. Right. Number one, I only found out about this 20 minutes ago. There's no right. way I'd be able to do anything that's coherent. Did he... Did Father say to do? No, and Father do... did not. No, he he didn't mention that. Okay, okay, so fine. I wouldn't. Yeah, and it was like, no, no, I'm not going to overstep my bounds. And then the other one is at the end mm-hmm. of the the liturgy, right? The liturgy, right? Mm-hmm. Finishing with the sign of the cross, because at the end of the mass, the priest gives a blessing. Whereas the lady, I can't give the blessing, but we can still make the sign of the cross. And that's just one thing, too. uh, Just paying attention to what goes on at Mass. At the beginning of the Mass, Father makes the sign of the cross and blesses himself. So his fingers touch his forehead, his abdomen, and his two shoulders. Mm -hmm. Where at the end of the Mass, he gives a blessing. He has a hand open in front of him, and it's like he's waving. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So he's giving the blessing, whereas the lady, you can't do that. Unless you're an extraordinary it, minister. No, I'm joking. That's, no. not, that's not true. <laughs> Just in case that happens at your church, it shouldn't happen. But anyhow, that's for another. The temptation is great. The temptation, yes, yes. I have to say, the temptation is great to do that. And even just reading from the, the missal to follow the words, right? remembering that these aren't, these are Father's words, they're not my words. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, no, pe- people were very happy to be out of there in half an hour. Yes. So my last question to you is that it does fulfill your Sunday obligation, correct? Because it's Cor- not the fault of the parishioner. Correct. In that okay. kind of a circumstance, yes. again, I didn't look it up in canon law. The rubrics, But yeah. that's, you know, my I brain was running wildly. You know, do I need now to get yeah. to another Mass later tonight? Get, to make, down to Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, because the intention was to go to Mass. That's right, that's right, yep. Right? And everything was done, especially on the, the the end of the parishioners. The intention and what they had in their heart was that they were going to Mass. Right, yes. Okay, and yeah, through no fault of How interesting, own. yeah, I, th- I remember you telling me that a couple of weeks ago, and I, and I think to myself, I haven't, I don't know if I've ever into that right yeah. and the other thing it did for me is it gave me a whole new perspective as to what father goes through every sunday yeah i knew R- well, really that's, opened my eyes and that's why they're called to this celibate life in a way it's just it's a very busy life is it not robert with a lot of things going on for priests for parish priests and religious 100 percent, because it's mm-hmm. not just the the hour mass on sunday that's right there's right. so many other things involved, isn't there? Visitation to homes, visitation to hospitals, funerals, all the sacraments that they have to prepare, you know, baptisms and confirmations and the first communion. It's it's full on. I mean, and they get what one day off, like the rest of us get two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
And some of them don't even take that. I know of priests that uh, just stay in the parish and they'll even say Mass on their day off. Oh, okay. Talking about life in the church, though, sir, mm -hmm. and we mentioned off the top that you're going to be spending a little bit of time in Belgium mm -hmm. over the Christmas holidays. I came across a great little graphic is you're going to be visiting all kinds of different churches. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're going with family. I can see your trip with family being vastly different than if it was you and I going right, over right. together. As much yeah. as we'd be hitting all the abbeys, um, but we'd also be hitting all the abbey beer gardens exactly. I think, as well. But I, I don't see your wife going for that for no, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, You'll maybe no. get one maybe, a day. Maybe a little shopping on the side, probably, yeah. Right. But I came across this great little graphic that talks about the difference between a parish a cathedral, a basilica, and a shrine. And for me, the biggest question in there has always been, what's the difference between a cathedral and a basilica? Okay, well, cathedral... And, and then there were crickets. Right, the cathedral is the seat of the diocese of the bishop within the diocese, correct? But I love any, that you use the word seat in that. Any, because any, church, any church can be given a designation as a basilica, correct? It does not have to be a cathedral. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So but when you were talking about the cathedral, the fact mm -hmm. that you used the word seat mm -hmm. was perfect because the word cathedra actually means chair. Okay. Right. And it comes from the notion of the seat of Peter, the chair of Peter. Right. So right? that and would so, be the way the bishop has to, has his church. That's his church, right? The bishop's church. That's the, that's the bishop's church or where he has his right. chair. Yeah, and, well, and that's a whole other conversation between archdiocese and diocese. Diocese, yeah. Which I only learned not too long ago is an archdiocese was the original diocese from which other dioceses split off. Okay, which so is just me. It's just a size thing, is it not, Robert? Archdioceses are always larger than a diocese. Are always correct? larger, and they would have had smaller ones that have splintered off. Right. So, for example, we're in the archdiocese of Toronto. Mm hmm from which would have been separated at one time the Diocese of Hamilton, the Diocese of London, I'm sure was part of the Archdiocese of Toronto, Probably the Diocese Peterborough. of Peterborough. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Okay. And so the, the cathedral is, yeah, the seat of ecclesial power. Right. Where the basilica, and the basilica could be even bigger than the cathedral. Great cathedral, right? Right. And the term basilica is used to identify churches of historic and spiritual importance. Okay. Right. And they're built in the basilica style. So like St. Paul's in downtown Toronto. It's a basilica. Well, exactly. Or uh, Notre Dame in Montreal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Notre Dame in Montreal is not the cathedral. No, oh, I didn't know. What's the it's, cathedral? It's uh, Mary Queen of the World oh, is the okay. cathedral, which I is closer to the, the financial downtown. <laughs> Right, it's right. It's near the Bell Center, uh, close to the Sheraton Hotel. Okay, okay, down there, uh, where Notre Dame is a basilica. And I have to point out too, and I have to look this up. Uh, TripAdvisor recently, mm -hmm. the Notre Dame Basilica in Montreal, on TripAdvisor was voted, I believe, and now I have to find out. Don't leave us hanging. Oh, now I got to find where. Here it is. No, that's not it. The sixth most beautiful building in the world. Whoa! Did that, and that, if there I remember is. closely, the last time I was in Montreal, I was going under undergoing a big renovation. So, 
Yeah, and apparently it's got a great light show that goes on. Yes, it does. I remember being there going as well. That. So, I mean, the mo- according to TripAdvisor, the most beautiful building in the world is the Basilica of the Holy Family in Barcelona, wow. followed by Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still, when is this? Is it? Re- this was just been, recently. Has it been renovated, Notre Dame? In- oh yeah, Paris? Notre Dame. So, uh, they're not finished yet after okay. the fire. Yeah. Uh, third? third is the Biltmore. Four is the Grand Mosque Center in Abu Dhabi. Okay. Fifth is the Grand Central Terminal in New York. And number six is Notre Dame Basilica in Montreal. How interesting. That comes in before the Blue Mosque in Istanbul, the Taj Mahal in India, the Basilique Sacré-Cœur in Paris, <laughs> the Schönbrunn in Vienna, the Cathedral of St. John the Baptist in Savannah, Hungarian Parliament in Budapest, which is beautiful as well. It comes in before all of these great places. The the Duomo in Milan was only 15. Hmm. I'm glad you pronounced all those and not me, Robert. So So can you have more than one basilica in the city? I'm sure you can. Yes as long as it's a church of historical and spiritual mm-hmm. significance. Right? So you How many have do we have? Basilicas? Mm-hmm. In Canada? I'm trying to think. I, well, I, no, I, I think in the, in the greater Toronto area, I'm just trying to think of other than St. Paul's. The only one I would know in Toronto would be St. Paul's. Okay. Right? Which is absolutely stunning and beautiful, the same as St. Michael's mm-hmm. Cathedral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and then you have your your parish, your local churches. Uh, a shrine being a church is a sacred place where there's a relic. Okay. Or an apparition has taken place. Right. So, so a, shrine, a, sh- a shrine is a church, but it has to have a relic or an apparition has taken place. Exactly. Okay. But it is a church where mass can be said, etc. Yeah. And the, and the last one I wanted to add to, to that is an oratory. Oratory, yes. Which would be like a chapel. But again, when you look at the name, oratory is a place of prayer. Right. Like the oratorians. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyways, I found that very, very interesting. interesting. That, so your it, homework for your trip is to, to know all, all, all the cathedrals and basilicas and shrines that you visit. Okay. And I want and them even duly noted. French, I'll be able to know what they are. They'll be in English. In, in Belgium, you will have at least French, Dutch, and English. Okay. And German. Oh, okay. Okay. German's oh, also will there be masses language. in English? That's what I wanted to ask you. Will there you be need masses? to find me a mass in Christmas mass in English. That will be your duty and job. I'll see what I can come up with yeah, see for if you. you. Can come up with something. That might be a bit of a stretch, but it wouldn't surprise me. At least in Brussels, there would have to be an English mass somewhere. Yeah. I'll go for an English mass somewhere. Please, please God, there's one English. I mean, I'll, I'll have to do the French mass if not, but I would prefer the English mass. I'll live on the wild side. Go, go in, in in Flemish. That could be part of season three. Trivia, our week, our bi-weekly trivia. That was a good piece of information for all of our listeners to know. Which leads us to what in the church? The is church that? is that. Yeah, I think we're gonna. Like you, you're saying leads us to that because. Looking at the time, we're going to let, let our saintly sayings go yes, for this it will, segment. Yes, we'll definitely bring those in our first episode back when it's just me and you, and we'll have to do a couple of those. 
But this is your your favorite outside of playing Marcus Grodi when we have a guest. Marcus I think this Grodi. is your your favorite where we part step of the back show. And let, no, it's not my favorite part of the show because I never stump you, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, you're just stepped up to the challenge in the first place. Maybe that's what you did wrong. And here I, I am, all I don't know, all confident. And... Well, I don't know if these are going to be too difficult for you, Robert. I did have about ten words I came up with, and, and then I remember you mentioning a couple of these as we talk. So, um, the first one is, what is? I've got a person and a thing. What would you like first, Robert? The person or the thing? Now, when you're talking about a person, is it a person's name or is it a person's position? It is a person's position. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. The first, what in the church is that? Actually, maybe you, it, On the it, last it, episode of season two. It should be titled, this, Who in the Church is That? Oh, who in the, yes, good point. This is who in the church is that or what is in the church is that? So this is who in the church is that? Robert, what is a postulant? We should put like a little timer on too. Right? Yeah, like tick, no. Tick, tick, tick. You've heard it a million times. I've heard it a million thinking. times. Yes. And I know how I would use it outside of the church context. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to figure out, like I said, I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, you take your time. And You've the way it would be used in the church context. So and when I would think of a postul postulant, Mm -hmm. would be someone who's applying to a position. Right? Okay. So if you Because that, and I'm just thinking like from from the French a postulant is is someone who's applying for a job. Right. Right. They're, okay. they're posting for a so job. So then now now bring that into the Catholic perspective and you'll you'll be you'll be almost there. So a postulant I'm thinking is someone who is applying for some kind of holy orders. Am I on the Correct. right track? Yes, okay. you are. Now, I don't want to say it's necessarily someone who is applying for the priesthood, like someone who's applying to seminary, but more along the lines of someone who is applying um, to a fraternity in, in the religious sense. So, uh, a postulant is someone who's asking to become a Franciscan, asking to become a Dominican, asking to to become a, Bene a Benedictine. Absolutely. Now, it's usually referred uh, to the religious life in females, but it is, I, I believe it's for males as well. And you're absolutely right, Robert. It's the first step in religious life before entering the novitiate and receiving the habit. So it's it's a, usually a six-month to a year uh, pre-formation, if you will, to see if you're actually going to enter um, into um, religious life. So you're absolutely right. We're going to give you a yes on that one. Good thank job. Thank you. Very thank well you. done. The next one goes back a few hundred years. Thank God we haven't used this term. So back to your childhood. Years. Yeah, back to my childhood. We haven't used this, or the church hasn't been wrapped up in any scandal with this in a while. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it exists, unfortunately. But Robert, what is simony? simony. And again, your this time. Is a, again, this is a term... I've read, yep, and heard about, but I've never delved into the nuts and bolts of exactly what it is. I know it has it's, it's a financial matter. Good, it has to do it has to do with money. Good. 
it's not necessarily part of me wants to say it's almost like a church tax but uh, i know that that's not correct yeah not not quite a church tax no but i think it has something to do with clerics with clergy correct and probably more particularly bishops like the, mm -hmm. the higher up the the hierarchy uh, skimming off the top for lack of a better way of putting it yeah not right. you're you're not, close not quite but... You're but it deals with money and it deals with uh religious hierarchy for sure a priest but more often bishops and cardinals it, and it, and i thank god it came to an end but it was big in the medieval medieval but they, times they, it was, certainly it's in almost, the renaissance times i don't want to say that they were taking a salary because they have to take some form of salary right. for their their living expenses but it was almost exorbitant right and it was yeah, so you're you're close. So where the judges are probably going to say just a little bit off on this one. So it was the buying or selling of a church office or ecclesiastical preferment, usually done by a pope or a cardinal and selling off certain parts. This is before you, you know, I don't know why there weren't any checks and balances on this, but usually if you bribe someone, you got this church office, which seems ridiculous now to us at this time. But I guess that was probably common 500 years ago, unfortunately, Robert, correct? That doesn't surprise me because a lot of times the church was seen as a career right. for families, especially for aristocratic families where, yes, the first son, the eldest son is going to take over the family title and take over the family business. What are you going to do now with sons two, three, four, and five? Right. Yeah, that's They go right. into a career in the church. In the church, yeah. Right. And, and, and from a young age. From a very young age, you're right. So I'll buy this church position for my nephew or something or my son. Now, this probably changed when, um, with the Council of Trent, when education of the clergy became a requirement, because you probably had a lot of people who weren't really suited for that. Robert, what was that? The late 1500s or mid 1500s? I mean, it's about the the early to mid 1500s. The Council yeah. of Trent. So. Like, I'm thinking to myself, this was probably a thing where they needed to kind of reform things because it was getting a little bit ugly with the buying and selling of these, you know, with so many taking place. I don't think it takes much. Maybe it does. I don't hear about it. We don't hear about it very often, but something they needed to get rid of for sure. Well, I think that got taken care of when you're not directly tying a cleric's income to their parish. To their parish, Yes. Right. In right. that, for example, someone would buy a pastoral position from either a large or rich parish, mm -hmm. and then you would see these country parishes go by the wayside because no priest wanted to go there because mm -hmm. they're not going to make any money off them. Right, right. Right, which is kind of what you saw happen in, in Ars, in France, where mm -hmm. uh, Saint-Jean Vianney ended up there hadn't been a pastor there for for years hmm. because it wasn't a money-making proposition and again hmm. it comes back to like i said a lot of these positions were uh, aristocratic families mm -hmm. that didn't know what to do with the sons and as well with the daughters often hmm. would end up in a convent that they couldn't find suitable worldly arrangements for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yeah and it's not very much different from lay investiture, where it's the state that is picking the people that go into those positions. Right, right. Right. Yeah. 
But, you know, thank, thanks be to God, that's kind of, yeah. simony has gone by the wayside. Because, again, like you said moments ago, you end up with people in these positions that really shouldn't be there in the first place. No, absolutely not, who are not cut out for the church. Because, like you say, it's a difficult job, but you're doing God's work. And I, I think you have to remember that first and foremost as a professed religious or any sort of church hierarchy, right? 100%. But anyhow, so that brings us to almost our our, our shout outs. Shout outs, yes. Our big shout outs for the day. Did you have anything that you want I to just mention? have the shout outs to the guys I went down with and uh Fab and Mark and Rob and Roger, a couple of the high school reunion, 35 year vets that I went down to the high school reunion with. Just a shout out to them and all the high school reunion guys that I met up with uh a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was good to see them and you know, we're all getting a little bit older, Robert. You could uh, test Speak to that. Speak for yourself. Uh, but it's always good to see the guys again, for sure. Oh, and for yourself, sure. Robert? My shout-out goes to the people of St. Joseph's Parish in Highland Creek. Nice. St. Joseph Parish, yes, yes, doing well. In uh, the east end of Scarborough. Just inside the border, just inside the border, of, just near the edge of Toronto proper now. Now yeah. Toronto proper, which is and, Scarborough. And Father Francis, the the pastor there, for inviting me in to give their Advent retreat. Okay. And you want to talk about a vibrant parish. Mm. I wasn't done five minutes, and they were setting up that hall for the next event. Oh, wow. Right. And they had been in there the night before at midnight setting up for the Advent retreat. Like, they have stuff going, two or three different things going on in that parish hall a day. Wow. Thank you to them for inviting me in, allowing me to come in and guide their their advent retreat we went through the joyful mysteries and walking with mary through advent getting closer to to christmas yep and kind of along those lines too at my own parish as well a shout out to the people at immaculate conception especially the band of christian brothers we had for you know our patroness solemnity the immaculate conception we had a special mass with a procession that evening uh, we did an Advent retreat as well, and we've started now once a month doing a movie night. And I mentioned this not just because it's my parish and I, I want to plug what's going on there as well, but when I look at that and I look at St. Joseph's Highland Creek, I want to give a shout out to all the parishes. All the parishes, absolutely. That are, are trying to revitalize parish life. Right? After a couple of years of COVID, absolutely. It's, you know, and I, I think we, so many parishes that do well, my parish included, and I, I just loved Father's remarks there last Sunday. He kind of gave us a warning, Robert. I think every priest should do this. He says, you know, next Sunday at Christmas, we're going to have people who don't come often, who are visitors or haven't been in a while. And he says, just be welcoming, you know, just go out of your way to make them feel welcome. Because you know that once you've been, you know, if we can go back in our days, once you've been away a little while, it's a little bit hard to come back. And if, you know, they get this brush off, why are they in my seats on Christmas Eve? I'm not getting a seat. <laughs> you know what? Chances are they're not going to come back. So we all have to remember that, I think. It's, it was really good. I like the way you spoke about that at last Sunday's Mass. That's excellent. That reminds me, um, one of our past guests, Deacon Pedro, talked Deacon a Pedro. lot about that too, as just feeling welcome. Yep. in a parish is really what's going to get people coming back at the beginning. And we haven't done welcome. that well as a Catholic parishes in, for a long time. I think we're starting to take the, barring from our Protestant brothers and sisters and some of their welcoming 
ministries in in the evangelical and other Protestant faiths. So I think we've got a way to do. I think our parish is doing a lot better. You guys are probably doing a lot better too. Yeah, I mean, in, in each parish, does things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Each parish does it, yeah, a little bit better. But I always say at, at Christmas time, you know, to that person who's sitting in my seat, who that person who's in my pew on Christmas Mass, yeah, can you come and take it next Sunday too? Yeah, yeah, right. Come Welcome. on back. Come back, absolutely. Right. And see this as your invitation back. Yes. See this as For your sure. invitation back to the church. Yeah. Uh, what they don't need to scowl is that why are they taking why am I standing while they're in my seat, right? So he says there's plenty of seats for everybody. He'll open up the parish hall, stream the mass if necessary for any overflow. But I don't know, buddy. You you know me. There's always a scowl on my face, even when I'm happy. So but that's that's a whole other <laughs> that's whole for another show. That's for Season another three. show. So Dennis, as always, the time seems to have flown by and my hourglass is pretty much empty. Always a pleasure, Robert. Both my regular strength pint and your double strength pint and the conversation of course very true very true and just before we wrap up here dennis perhaps there's one small favor we could ask of our listeners if you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the pints and pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review and while you're at it give us a like on facebook drop us a line there or at pints and pews at gmail.com we always enjoy hearing from our listeners chat again soon my friend God willing. And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. See you in Season 3.